0: Hey everyone! Thank you for tuning into Hannah and Eric Go Birding, a podcast by birders for birders.
1: I'm Hannah, and he's Eric.
0: And we are in season two.
1: What
0: of our podcast? Did you guys think we'd make it this far? So we've already done a whole year. Now we're going into year two.
1: It's been like persistence, and you know, just trying to prove people wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. all the naysayers out there. Yeah.
1: So take it, naysayers.
0: <laughs> Anyways, we created this podcast to share our adventures, mostly misadventures. And share opinions that we have on burning topics.
1: We got a lot of opinions.
0: Yeah. Season we are,
1: two, they're tougher.
0: They're tougher opinions. <laughs> and we are not experts. And if we discuss anything that might be controversial, we want you to remember that they're our own opinions. And like Hannah said, we have a lot of them. And they might be different from yours.
1: And in season two, Eric's still going to say controversial instead of controversial. I'm going
0: to pronounce it the right way. Oh, wow. With, <laughs> you, you say all the letters that are in the word, and you just move on with your life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, um, Hannah... We have lots of personal birding news. Is there birding news that you wanted to talk about from around? uh, Birding news from the wild? From the wilds?
1: Yeah. So um, just rare birds. Rare birds. Because it's always cool to start. (laughs) Um, So Alaska has been hitting it. They've had falcated duck, long-toed stint, redneck stint, little stint. Long-toed stint? Yeah. All right. Yeah. They're like freakishly long toes okay no um <laughs> they've had rough they have had slaty back gull. um what else white wagtail uh, red-throated pipit, shiny oh no just kidding that's in florida but anyways alaska has been hitting it so if you get a chance to hit, go to alaska i think we'll probably try to plan a trip to alaska At some June point. of next year because it's been crazy this it's, year it looks
0: like it's a time to go
1: yeah um, Florida has also been getting things. White-cheeked pintail, which, I, those live in the, in the Caribbean, right? So they come up every once in a while. <laughs> I it's, think so. Yeah. So I don't think they're super uncommon. I don't know. Um, American flamingos, Zenida dove, smooth-billed ani, which... Is dove still? Yeah. No, of course. I know, right? <laughs> um, at least smooth-billed ani, we got that when we yeah, were living there. there we go. Um, yellow-green vireo, also in Florida, and shiny cowbird, so lots of things there. And then, um... Yeah, just a couple other things that people have gotten. Arizona has a rufous capped Warbler, California Red-footed Booby that's still hanging around. Texas they've been seeing uh, Ferruginous Pygmy Owls, which we've seen at the King Ranch, the noise yeah. Division. So um, where they're, they're
0: kind, where they're expected.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, right. So things are hanging around. Things are moving. It's going to be that time of season um, if it hasn't already, where babies are. You know, going off. It's the beginning when, like, some babies are going off into <laughs> the real world and, and getting lost. And also just the time where parents are like, just raise my baby and now I can go chill.
0: Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> That's
1: my take.
0: So those are those are the rare birds. Yeah. Um... So the stuff more more localized to us, uh, we had a bunch of visitors yeah, we over have, the last uh, two weeks. <laughs>
1: We've had a lot of people stop by, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, some of them we know, and some of them we didn't know. We had Tony and Kelly, who are some... Well, Kelly was a really good friend that I worked with in Texas, and he came up for an urban ecology uh uh, conference, mm-hmm. and he brought Tony over, so it was really cool hanging out with them and showing them our hometown. And then just a couple days later, Simon, who we met guiding at the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival, he stopped by too. He was at that same conference. He was at the same
0: conference, yeah. And he's
1: also from Texas or lives <laughs> in Texas, so that was fun to see all those guys. And then Eric had a cool email the other day.
0: Yeah, from a guy named Rob from the Netherlands, and he like. Completely out of nowhere, just emailed me because he met somebody out at Smith Rock, which is in Central Oregon. Um, to that that person was like, "Oh, these are some people that are on the coast. You should, if you're going to the coast, you should email them." So he did, and we ended up meeting him. Yeah and he he came he came down to the hotel. We chatted with him for probably 15 minutes, 20 minutes mm-hmm. or so. Told him told him where to go get uh, um, puffins, how to get harlequin ducks. And then gave him some inside information on uh, a potential mountain quail that we had just heard about. But uh, turned out he didn't end up going and yeah. finding it. He he ended up getting a rough grouse out there, which yeah, is really good. That's a good bird. It's a good bird. But yeah, that was that was super exciting to to meet Rob and his girlfriend.
1: Yeah, that's just super cool. They just emailed us up, and like that's one of the cool things about birders. You know, we're not shy about just texting each other or whatever, emailing, and just happening upon each other. It was super cool yeah and then jack and kelly who we've talked about before in other podcast episodes we met them when we went on our pelagic out of newport oregon they stopped in the other day and they absconded with eric for a little bit and went out and saw some puff no you, guys, you no, guys saw puffins
0: yeah we saw puffins for a few minutes so we so we went down to the sewage ponds uh we uh down here in cannon beach which are always good which are always really good they it was middle of the afternoon we, well they weren't great but they're still good we had uh, some really good looks at uh, um cedar wax wings that like were like super close, Rufus Hummingbird attacking the Cedar Wax Wing, Warbling mm-hmm. Vireo calling like crazy, um Pacific Soap Lightcatcher, kind of like just the generic things you kind of pretty much expect. And then we went down to Haystack Rock for a few minutes and got tufted puffins, Harlequin ducks, um brands cormorants, and uh, Pelagic Cormorants. So Yeah. All, cool. all the all the normal things that are out here in Cannon Beach, for the most part, but things that you don't really find anywhere else in Oregon.
1: Yeah. And it's been really fantastic weather the last couple of days, and after we're done with the, our obligations for the day, our career obligations I guess (laughs) Um, we've had a chance to just sit outside and chill because it's been such nice weather and I picked up a book the other day when I was at Powell's in downtown Portland which if you haven't been there before it's this huge bookstore it's like iconic Portland like hipster it's built in a city block and it's just absolutely wild there's like half floors all over the place so you're going to all these different levels that are like not really a full level or I don't know it's just bizarre
0: yeah there's it's there's a lot of books it's a giant bookstore
1: and it's some some of them are used some of them are new and I love going because I am obsessed with old bird books and I actually picked up a book when we were there from 1901 which is yeah that's pretty sweet insane that it's that old I I felt ridiculous asking the guy when we were checking out like could you put this in some sort of like packaging so it will not get damaged put put it in another bag yeah because this is like super rare and really old he looked at me like i was a weirdo he probably runs into books like that all the time though. probably (laughs) at pals anyways i picked up a book called the house of owls by tony i'm gonna say angel um I read one of his other books about crows and ravens, and it's just absolutely wonderful. And I've really enjoyed this other book, The House of Owls, and we'll include that in the show notes. So if you want to pick up a copy and check it out, um, I encourage you to do so. I'm about like 100 pages in or so, which I haven't had a chance to read in the last like six years. And so this is really exciting for me that I could (laughs) sit outside and read a really good book. And then Eric, yeah, you're reading can, a
0: book too, sort of. Yes. I mean, you could, I guess you could call it reading. I mean, I'm learning how to read, <laughs> but, um, it's the Peterson reference guide to woodpeckers, um, of North America by Stephen Chunk. So, and I mean, it's how a we, reference guide. But... How
1: did we find out about Stephen? <laughs> Do
0: you the, remember? I can't remember when, when so it was. It. when
1: we were in Bend, Oregon, Central Oregon, a couple oh, weeks ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, we were talking to Pam, who you guys may or may not have remembered from one of the, our previous episodes we talked about her. She told us that she was just birding along, and she met Stephen Chunk, who's the woodpecker expert who wrote the Peterson Guide. And we weren't super aware of this guy, unfortunately, because, you know, we...
0: I should be, because I like woodpeckers so much, well, but yeah. apparently I, I don't. Uh, I don't get out much
1: sorry um anyway she talked about him and so when we were at Powell's I saw this book and I just like Eric was off doing something else and I just pulled it down into my stack of books that I was gonna buy because I was like he needs to read this (laughs) (laughs) and maybe get it autographed
0: someday it's a really good book I mean it has there's a whole exposition at the beginning reading about or I guess it's not an exposition but it's like a whole no not even a narrative it's like just just describing like life history of woodpeckers in general and then each woodpecker has like five or six pages dedicated to him. Each woodpecker of North America. So it start they go taxonomically. Starting off with Lewis's and then going all the way through to whatever was at the end. I, I can't remember. I, I haven't got that far through it. <laughs> I'm like I said, I'm learning how to read. He's
1: only halfway through.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I, I really enjoy like looking look, looking through each I flip randomly through it back and forth. Like it's a reference guide. It's not really a novel. I, yeah. But it's, it's a really good book. I really enjoyed it. It's super informative. There's lots of things I'm learning, like uh, about which uh, woodpeckers are sexually monochromatic and how many of them sexually monochromatic woodpeckers there are in the world, hmm. which is four. Yeah. And three of them are in the United States. That's cool. So <laughs> it's kind of cool. Yeah. So,
1: Eric, do you want to announce our big news?
0: Our big news? I guess I could announce it. So, we just launched a website.
1: After a year of promising, we would do it.
0: Yeah, we. I think episode one we said we were going to do it, and we never did. <laughs> yeah. So episode twenty-seven, we're going to do it. Season we did one, it. Those suckers. <laughs> yeah, those, those season one suckers. They don't know what's going on. <laughs> Anyways, we launched our website. It's uh, www.gobirdingpodcast.com. GoBirdingPodcast. Com.
1: Yeah, GoBirding was taken
0: seriously. Who's well? It was. It was taken by somebody who's holding it to sell to people. Rude. Apparently, yeah. I don't, I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah. Anyway, so we sold. We we sold. We we bought the. So
1: we're selling. We're selling podcast. No. <laughs> I just
0: bought it, so
1: we're not yeah. selling it right now.
0: Yeah. So we so we launched our website. Right now, we have a couple of blog posts, like two or three, on there that were uh, the that Hannah had written um, back when we were in Florida. I think back
1: when I first made the
0: website, Back when we first started the podcast, we wrote. She wrote some blogs, and we never put them anywhere. So they're on there. And we have uh, a couple other pages on there. I think what we're going to basically have this for is to post blog entries that may have more details from our adventures that we don't talk about during our, during the podcast, and then possibly smaller adventures that just don't make, make it to the podcast. Different weekend trips and stuff. that Things that we do that don't...
1: That we don't tell you guys about. That well. we don't
0: talk about here, because we just don't have time or <laughs> don't have the effort to talk about it.
1: Well, and this is also... We, um, have a resources page on there, which I found, or I'm hoping that'll be really useful for like beginner birders and maybe people who are going to bird in America for the first time, or even people who are going to bird not in America, um, and other places that maybe we've visited and yeah. we, we can help guide you a little bit through it, um, so check out the resources page and let us know if we're missing anything on there. And we'd be happy to add certain things. And we, I think we'd even be happy to add like other blog posts or blogs from people, you know, just like as a network, if you guys post us, we'll post you sort of thing. Yeah, sure. Um, but also stuff that we, we can get behind. I'm not just, I'm not just going to share random stuff up there (laughs) that, um, we don't really do, but we want to make sure that, you know, our listeners, you guys, have as many resources as you want or you need to be successful birders and travelers and things and like adventures. that. And adventures. And adventurers, yeah. And we'll also probably post up, like, articles that we find interesting. And um, who knows? Maybe in the future, if we ever decide to sell stuff, we'll, we'll sell stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. If we ever do that. Yeah.
0: Well, if we promise it now, then we'll do it next year. You think so? Yeah. <laughs> next year, we're going to
1: start making money off you guys. <laughs> Well, we don't need money.
0: Eh, eh, we don't. We just need gone adventures. Yeah. So, um, so our adventure for this week. Did we have one? We had a small one.
1: Yeah. It was, it was a
0: mini adventure. <laughs> it was a mini adventure. We 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 did it actually this morning.
1: Yeah, we did. So we're um, kind of tired.
0: Yeah. So this morning we went out on a uh, on a bird walk with uh, one of our friends. From down here in on the Oregon coast, uh, Susan Peterson,
1: which you guys will hear some uh, information, some stuff from her later. We did a short interview with her on the trail. Yeah, we tested that out. Yeah, um, but let's set the scene for you. So we went to the well. Our intention was Boneyard Ridge initially.
0: Yeah. Boneyard Ridge, North North Coast Land Conservancy property.
1: Yeah, so the North Coast Land Conservancy they own several um, different properties around the or, uh, the North Coast, and in an effort to you know do conservation work and stewardship and protect the the land that we have, since a lot of what we have is is um, t- harvest mm-hmm. timber harvest, so they're looking to protect locations from things like that. Uh, So the place we were going is called Boneyard Ridge. It's about 340 acres. It was purchased and conserved in 2016 from the Lewis and Clark timberlands through a variety of different funding sources. and the habitat type is a mixed stand forest and forested wetlands dominated by western hemlock and sitka spruce and they do have public access that goes to it it seems though that you have to access it through the timber industry property
0: yeah it's like a lo- a logging road that you go up so it's an a- an active at some points in the year i assume it's active a uh, logging road that you access it through so it's you park you kind of park on the side and then walk Walk a good distance. It's like a mile and a half or two miles. Into it? Yeah.
1: So according to the North Coast Land Conservancy website, um, I just want to read this here real quick. Boneyard Ridge is a shining example of how private land conservation enhances habitat connectivity across the landscape. This property lies between and adjacent to the Elmer Feldenheimer State Natural Area and Acola State Park, which is uh, globally significant because of its biodiversity and it's located on the ocean shoreline and also the North Coast Land Conservancy's own Circle Creek Habitat Reserve which is in active restoration um, and it is part of a floodplain in the North Coast. So okay. something that's really cool about it is that the North Coast Land Conservancy is actively trying to buy sections of land and conserve them that are provide some kind of connectivity and create larger patches of environment
0: so I was I was reading on their website
1: ecosystems not <laughs> environment
0: environment creating larger environments <laughs> yeah. um larger con- contiguous sections of of ecosystems mm-hmm. um so I was reading on their website uh the North Coast Land Conservancy just their general website that they are the largest purchaser or they devote the most funds or they're the largest purchasers
1: percentage wise or um, something
0: well uh, just behind, they're in second or something like that. Just behind the um, the Lane Conservancy, so like, like the, the national, national Lane, the national wow. Lane Conservancy. So they North Coast Lane Conservancy is apparently very successful in purchasing properties and conserving them. So it's Perfect. a. They're they're a good organization.
1: Yeah. Well, and as I said, you know, altogether, those four properties that I mentioned that uh-huh. this is a part of, that um, consists of about 3,500 acres of a conservation corridor um, mm-hmm. on one of Oregon's most iconic headlands, Tillamook Head. And the property includes four streams, including two miles of salmon-bearing streams, which huh. is something that's really important Salmon to Oregon. Salmon-bearing streams. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not only uh, spawning coho salmon, but cutthroat trout, and also western brook lamprey, which I hate lamprey.
0: <laughs> they give
1: me the creeps. Um, hey, but they're
0: they're animals too. I know,
1: I know. I just never really want to see one in real life. <laughs> uh, um, but it serves as a home or migration stopover to at least ninety species of birds, including things that you like, like the pileated woodpeckers, yes. uh, flycatchers, bald eagles, Rufus hummingbirds, and just tons of amphibians and just a variety of other species that this kind of habitat supports. So it's just really cool that we got to go out there. The forest land had been commercially logged for decades and currently stands from recovering young trees to some trees that are over 50 years old. So there's a pretty good mixed um, canopy so far, you know, it's young still for yeah, mo- forest. Most,
0: most of what, what I saw, most of what we went through was young but I could definitely I could definitely see some of the outer edges that we weren't there there were some edges that we didn't go to because mm-hmm. I mean we we only walked through a certain small portion but there's definitely some smaller portion or some significant portions that are further away that were old old growth stuff mm-hmm. So I, I just wonder like what what it was like walking through those areas
1: yeah <laughs> So the main reason we went up there was because, Somebody had t- talked to Susan and mm-hmm. told her that they had recently seen mountain, mountain quail up there. Yeah. And that was something that we need for our life list. And life she for- <laughs> she emailed Eric and said, hey, you guys want to come along? And we're like, heck yes, let's go. Yes, we
0: do. So, Love to see mountain quail.
1: So setting the stage, you know, we, we're walking up and up and up. It's a logging road going up to the top of a ridgeline. So, if,
0: if you've if, ever been on logging roads in the Pacific Northwest, it's in the hills and they're steep.
1: Yeah, and, they're, and they're not well developed.
0: They're, well, they're they're pretty well. It's, well, this it's one gravel. Was. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I've they're been on gravel roads that are just like ones. out in the middle of nowhere.
1: Yeah, that I mean, no they don't facilities.
0: Have... <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. And the first section that we went up, there was a pretty good canopy cover mm-hmm. going through, and which, yeah. you know, just dozens of birds singing. We were, got there about six forty-five or so, so yeah. just after sunrise, and. Oh my gosh, Swains and Thrushes, which Eric is going to play right now. So that was his recording of Swainson's Thrush. And yeah. they were just calling and calling and calling, which is my favorite bird call. It's the so. sound
0: of summer in Oregon. Yeah. Like the cicadas are the sound of summer down in the south. Mm-hmm. The Swainsons in Oregon.
1: Yes, definitely. So that was wonderful to hear. Started it off on a you know good note. It was in the 60s, the low 60s.
0: I think it was 59 when we left. And then by the time we got there, I'm sure it was at least 60.
1: So it was cool. Comfortable. Yeah. Cool and comfortable and.
0: Sunny skies. F-
1: yeah. So for,
0: it was. To, be, to start with. <laughs>
1: beautiful day to go on a hike.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. So like Hannah said, it was real real steep gravel road. Um, just nothing out there. Just us, trees, gravel. The sound and of just, traffic. Uh, kind of. For some of it. For some, Well, we could hear an ambulance because there was something going on on the highway, which was probably about a mile and a half away. Mm-hmm. So it's only a mile and a half to the highway, and the only thing from the highway I could hear was the ambulance. So it's fairly fairly out there. But we go up, and we we got, I think, maybe a quarter mile up the road, maybe not even that far. And there was a bird, uh, there was a hawk, sitting on a branch, perfect light, just waiting for us to take a picture of it. And I was like, oh! Look at this. Susan noticed it. She pointed it out. She's like, "Oh, look at that!" And we all look at it. We see it. It's a. It was a very small occipiter And I, I swing the camera around. I'm like, "Oh, I'm going to get some pictures of it." And it whew, flies. <laughs> it was in perfect light too. It was sitting there. It was like it, there was no doubt. If I got a picture of it, I'd be able to figure out what it is like instantly. Yeah. But like, I, I didn't get a great look at it because I focused on getting a picture, not looking at it. Which I should stop doing i should i should look at it and then i should go get a picture (laughs) but i missed i missed that opportunity it flew into the trees it darted around in the trees quite a bit and then it ended up perching pretty far away just on a tree i've got some really highly cropped pictures of this guy and i'm pretty sure he was tiny it looks like he's got a full hood not a cap it's an occipiter sharp tail sharp long tail with um pointy wings flying through the forest so, I think, um, Sharpshinned. And it comes up on the rare bird filter, on eBird, so. We'll we'll see if it gets accepted. I'll put some pictures and see if, uh, Mike Patterson, the, or is he the reviewer? I believe so. I don't know, whoever the reviewer is for our area, see if he kicks it back and says, no, that's a, something else, but.
1: But it just goes to show, like, how... Just out of nowhere. Well, and also something that we had talked about on our hike, because Eric had mentioned one point, like, oh, man, looking at this, I expect to hear howler monkeys.
0: Oh, my gosh, I know.
1: And, like, we've traveled a bit, and we've been, you know, place to place to place, like, living-wise. Um, so I feel like sometimes I expect to see other things that aren't going to be there. And that's just, I don't know what that says about us. I feel like a lot of people would be like, that means you don't know your area very well or, you know, give us some kind of crap like that. We don't, we
0: don't know our area very well.
1: (laughs) Okay. So there, there, it's out there. (laughs) It's out there. When I saw that bird, like the first thing I thought was like forest falcon, (laughs) (laughs) like colored forest falcon or
0: something.
1: Um, which. We saw it down in Costa Rica. <laughs> yeah. But that's yeah, that's something that I always have trouble with. I first started out the confusion when we moved to Texas. And when it rains oh, in Oregon, yes. it's generally pretty cool. Yeah. You know, it's cold. Temperature drops. Yeah. And in Texas it does not. And so not I would <laughs> I would look outside in the rain and I think like, oh man, it's gonna be cold when I get out there. And you get out there and it's like hot. Than heck, and it's it'd humid be like 95 and degrees still, miserable. And so, I always called that weather confusion. So, now I'm calling this like location, location. confusion, yeah, <laughs> because it's like, wait, where am I? And what do, what should I expect to see here? Because I kept thinking I was gonna see cardinals all morning. Every time I heard a, really, there was a chip, some chirp that we kept hearing in the woods. That I kept thinking, cardinal, and then I was like, no, there's no cardinals here. Hannah, <laughs> if you saw a cardinal here, it'd be pretty amazing, it would be pretty crazy, yeah.
0: Yeah, so so no cardinals, no collared forest falcons.
1: <laughs> Just a possible shor- sharp-shinned.
0: Yeah. I think it's a likely sharp-shinned, but we'll We'll, we'll see. see what
1: the pictures turn out.
0: Yeah. Anyways, so we, we hiked up the road. We ended up getting to a fork in the road after after a little while. I think it was almost almost a mile in.
1: It was about three
0: quarters of a mile. Three quarters of a mile yeah. in. And we decided to take the the road less traveled. So so there was <laughs> there was a D- define definitive like hardcore gravel. Road. We, this is the road. This is the road, and then there was this offshoot that didn't look like it. We were like, "Well, we're looking for quail, so we probably want to go someplace that has less disturbance." I would imagine. Mm-hmm. So we went towards the road less traveled.
1: Yeah, so we went to the left and kept on going and going, and it the road kind of evened out a little bit more. So yeah, it, fl- it flattened. Just, yeah, yeah, it wasn't
0: always steep the whole time. There was there was lots of flat spots and downhills and.
1: Yeah, and we we ended up getting some really um, good looks at like cedar waxwings. Yeah, and what else? We, we had lots of Pacific slope flycatchers. Oh, they're
0: calling everywhere. I don't. I didn't see a single one though. I didn't. I didn't like spend a bunch of time trying to get eyes on one though.
1: Yeah, because we had a mission.
0: We had a mission. We were looking. We were looking for for a mountain quail. Mm-hmm. But we did see banana slugs.
1: Oh my! Gosh. We saw
0: some banana slugs that were the size of like ecuadorian bananas
1: probably like, like these monster
0: long. like i huge. saw one
1: that was all yellow
0: oh i missed the all yellow yeah one.
1: it didn't have any spots on it
0: huh yeah they're huge banana slugs and if you're not from the if you're not from the northwest banana slugs are a i think they're the largest slug i maybe i don't know sure, it's a slug right they're they're gigantic i don't know a lot about them i know they're gigantic they make your tongue go numb if you lick them don't lick them uh, yeah, you might get salmonella too. I don't know.
1: I think it's a... Um, oh, what's the one that eats your brain? Botulism. Botulism? Well, you get botulism from eating raw snails, so I kind of oh. think it would be the same concept. Uh, you might
0: be able to get it from slugs too. Yeah. But anyways, they can make your tongue I mean, there's many from, other from what I hear that you
1: get botulism, yeah. but that's something I've, you can get from that.
0: I've never licked a slug. I've just heard stories.
1: Ugh. But
0: it's, they're big slugs. They're kind of brown...
1: Well, Brownie yellow,
0: and then they have brown spots, like a like a like, aging banana.
1: They're like a tan, like yeah, kind of like a taupe color, like yeah. a tan yellow, and then yeah, they have like yellow, black, brown spots on them. But yeah, and
0: they're wonder, really cool because they're giant.
1: I wonder what the spots mean, like if it's. Well, I mean, the whole ladybug thing doesn't actually work, right? Like, the no. number of spots is how old it is. Isn't that what no. we said when we were kids? When we were
0: kids, yeah, but there's diff- There's three-spot ladybugs. No, like I five, know. Like there's, there's different species. So now, now I now, now we know that. Yeah, yeah but, but
1: I wonder if that's kind of similar with the banana slugs, except the one I saw that was all yellow was, like, giant. It was probably the biggest one I saw all day.
0: Really? Yeah. I wonder if it was a different species. I wonder if it wasn't a banana slug. I don't know. If it was a different type of slug that just happens to be yellow, and he's just giant.
1: I can't think of anything.
0: I, I don't I don't know. I'm I'm not very I'm not a slug expert. No, not an expert really in anything. But but that's, that's what we proclaimed. But, but definitely not an expert in slugs.
1: <laughs> so yeah, if you go hiking in the Pacific Northwest, expect to see some slugs.
0: And they're really cool. Yeah. Don't don't freak out. Don't kill them. They're they're just living their lives. Oh my life. gosh!
1: If you killed one, like you'd have oh, slug man. all over you'd have your slime
0: shoe. for days. Oh, just. Just don't step on them. Oh,
1: I was, you almost stepped on one. <laughs> and, I did
0: almost step on them a couple times.
1: And, and I like kind of kicked my foot because I was like trying, I was, I was trying to telekinetically You, you were, you were stepping theory. on the
0: brake in the passenger seat for me?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we went up to the top of Ridgeline, Line and... There were
0: some awesome views up there. There
1: were, yeah. I
0: mean, most, most of the views were of... Clear cuts. Old, old clear cuts or current clear cuts that are barely growing back now but there were there were some really good views of like just landscape Mm -hmm. just way out there on top of the ridge no human structures as far as you can see like really cool
1: yeah so we got to the top of one and there were some other roads that we could have taken Mm -hmm. to go this way or that way and looking at the map i was thinking like well we kind of need to get back so yeah. we decided we, we have
0: responsibilities. in Yeah. Life.
1: <laughs> so that initial fork in the road, we decided like, okay, we're gonna go walk back to that.
0: Go go back. We'll we'll do the road that is traveled. That's
1: more traveled. <laughs> yeah. And see if we can find anything different.
0: Yeah. So we so we get back to there, and the road that's more traveled was significantly steeper than the road <laughs> less traveled. I don't I don't know why they're traveling it more if it's so much steeper. So
1: after we caught our breaths, um, we got up to a couple cell towers.
0: Yeah, there were they were good ways. It's probably another mile, maybe before we got to the cell towers. Yeah, so we're 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 looking at two miles into the trail.
1: Well, after for, from the
0: initial point, yeah, I think <laughs> from I think cars. I think we're five miles into hiking at that point, but two miles in from the head from the head. Uh, of that trail trailhead
1: yeah so after um getting up to the cell towers we kept on going a little while further
0: we took the road less traveled again there <laughs> because the the road towards the cell tower was
1: uh i figured it just dead the i figured cell tower.
0: exactly i thought the same thing and then the trail continued on the other direction
1: And we saw a sign, like, up in the distance, which we were on a logging road. We didn't see, like, any signs the whole time. So I thought it was, I was like, what the heck is that? And initially, like, I put up my binoculars and tried to, like, read it. I couldn't see it close enough.
0: From like a quarter mile.
1: Yeah, but it looked like uh, one of those signs that you'd see outside a grocery store that are like, want to sell your house now? <laughs> like, How did somebody, why did somebody why? come all the way up here do this? It's like, that would be an epic prank.
0: That would be so ridiculous. Yeah,
1: but we got up to the sign and it said, um, North Coast Land Conservancy Boneyard Ridge. And we were like,
0: ow. Oh. oh. So after, uh, maybe four miles, five miles of hiking. And three hours of birding, we, <laughs> we finally made it to our initial destination.
1: We found it.
0: <laughs> Boneyard Ridge.
1: Yeah. We took the the long way. Yeah. Um, so that You never was... know where
0: birds are going to be, though. Yeah. You don't so, know.
1: <laughs> so um, the information we had heard about the mountain quail was that they were, like, on Boneyard Ridge, like a mile in. And so I figured that was probably for a mile from the sign.
0: I think that's kind of what I was picturing, too. A mile from that sign.
1: So... We kept on hiking.
0: Yeah, we hiked and hiked.
1: Yeah. And the we we went a little further and, you know, stopped and went a little further and stopped trying to listen for the quail. Uh, which we hadn't at that point. But we got up heard. to what we what we were calling the Boneyard Ridge because there was like a bunch of dead trees that were piled in the middle of the trail. Or they were like sticks or something. Yeah, there were
0: there were like bleached, bleached white branches and
1: it looked like a boneyard it
0: looked like a boneyard, a boneyard of trees
1: such an apt name (laughs) um so i hope
0: that's what it was what it was named for
1: reference yeah Yeah. i
0: hope that's what it was named for is for whatever reason there's this giant pile of white branches that are all just like old rotting like not rotting because they're just like up there dried yeah bleached by the sun yeah branches looked like bones yeah I oh, that's what it's named for.
1: <laughs> and there was a black-headed grosbeak singing on yeah. the top of one of the trees that was near there. There were warblers fighting around inside the trees. There, there were hummingbirds. Lots of hummingbirds. Oh, my Spotted gosh. Spotted towhees. Like, I don't know how high up we were at that point, but, I mean, maybe yeah. a couple hundred feet.
0: Maybe a couple hundred, yeah. But, but.
1: I don't know. It just felt like being on top of the world.
0: It did. I mean, there there wasn't, as far as I could tell, we were on the one of the highest points around. Yeah. And it wasn't anything. It was just open.
1: And we looked down the lane, and Susan spotted that there were a bunch of elk yeah, there. There, there. A couple was, hundred feet down the the, I, the lane, there were a bunch of elk.
0: What did we come up with? There was like 10, ten babies?
1: No, there was like six babies.
0: No, I thought she counted ten babies. Oh,
1: well, maybe I just missed some.
0: I don't know. She, she was, I think that's what she was counting, were babies. And there were, there were the Roosevelt elk, and they were... The the young they're were monsters. still young, still young enough that they had spots.
1: They were like the babies are like the size of a deer.
0: Exactly, yeah, like a regular like white-tailed deer. Like the babies that still had spots <laughs> were as big as adult white-tailed deer. Like they're Roosevelt elk are giant animals.
1: They're like five to six hundred pounds.
0: They're they're huge, and yeah. they crash through. They're not quiet either. Like deer are fairly quiet when they mm-hmm. go through the brush. Elk just don't even care. They don't care because they don't they, care. they're
1: usually in big herds. So, like, w- what's gonna attack on, Like a, a pack of coyotes or a cougar? Yeah, they That's don't. They it. don't.
0: They don't need to sneak up on things. They they walk around and they're gonna get seen because they're so gigantic. So they don't. They're they're not quiet.
1: So they notice us after a few minutes and
0: <laughs> then, surprisingly long time before they noticed <laughs> us.
1: And then they kind of just jaunted away <laughs> up <laughs> to the top of the the next hill, which. It's just amazing to watch those animals move like that because they just, like, act like it's no big deal. And I just no huff big and deal. huffed up that freaking hill. <laughs> <laughs> like a schmuck. <laughs> like
0: a schmuck. Using your two legs. You should be using four legs. <laughs> they, they cruise right along with four legs some, and hooves.
1: If I had some gloves, I would do that. Some gloves? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Is that what you need? Just some gloves? to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. Um, so on that hike, man, just, like, band-tailed pigeons everywhere. Yeah. Um, flying at Colin and calling and flying flipping their wings all over the place, making a ton of noise. Uh, we did get a, a life for Hutton's Vireo yeah. when we were on the initial ridge, uh, So that was pretty amazing. We like saw it, Eric and I both saw it and it was calling, making a really weird noise. And we were like, Oh, Ruby Crowned And then we started hearing it call and I was like, that's not a Ruby crown. Yeah. And, and the also, Ruby Crown's
0: not right for this time of year here yeah, too. So, so I was like, all right, this is odd.
1: Yeah. And a great look at a downy on the way up. Mm-hmm. Um, Tons Lots of, of Stellar's Jays. There were some common ravens up where we saw the Yeah, elk.
0: way out calling. There, There's a whole argument going on <laughs> with some ravens.
1: But literally, I mean, it was like being on top of the world up there. Super
0: cool. Yeah, and up there, the only structure... I don't, I don't remember seeing any other structures except for... From there, we could still see one cell tower. Mm-hmm. But that was it. Like, every other direction we looked, it was just forest, as far as you can see, and just... It, the weather was nice when we were up there, too. Like, it, yeah. it, it started to sprinkle on us for a little bit, and then because it's a headland, weather comes and goes. Mm-hmm. So.
1: It just washes over you. It,
0: it went. It, it came, then it went. And we were back to sun by the time we were at the top. And it was just like, as far as you can see, sunny weather and blue skies.
1: And birds calling.
0: And birds calling. Birds They're singing.
1: Always, always a Pacific wren calling.
0: The whole time.
1: Which, that's our bird of the episode. Bird of the
0: episode. Eric,
1: sure. would you like to take it on?
0: No, you can take it on. Oh, okay. You're You're good at the bird of the episode. <laughs> well, dang, that's up to debate.
1: So Pacific no. Wrens are a fairly common thing that we see up here in the Pacific Northwest. They were formally grouped with Winter Wrens, so I always have trouble like remembering a Pacific Wren and not a Winter Wren, because yeah, I always want to
0: call it. When did they split? I couldn't find that. When yeah, I When they split. Know.
1: I'm guessing at some point in my lifetime. Because I always think of winter runs first. Yeah, uh, that's probably completely wrong. It's probably in the '60s. It,
0: yeah, it's probably it was probably <laughs> back, back in the '30s, they split it. <laughs>
1: um, it's yeah. So now it's its own species. It's a really small run. Has barred and dark brown upper parts and a buff eyebrow. Um, some can be more like rufous colored though, and brown underparts are lightly barred on flanks, belly, and the undertail. And the, the tail is very short and held upright. And that's something you know. Like I said, we we see them a lot and hear them a lot. Oh, it was actually <laughs> it was the answer was right here.
0: Oh, you found the answer. It, yeah,
1: it was uh, split into winter wren and Pacific wren in 2010. Oh, good. So right as we started
0: birding, right when we started.
1: Yeah, and some collective names for them are a chime because they don't shut up, a flight, <laughs> a flock, and a herd of wrens, and we. It was a, I, it. was Pacific Wren, right? That I had heard that they are the ones with the longest the, the North it American bird stop. with the longest call, because and it's not you know it's not just the same pattern over and over again. Like with the longest call, it's not like cheer up, cheer up, cheer up or anything yeah. like that. It's like just and Eric will have that as the last um, soundtrack for the end of the podcast. So sure. stay tuned for the very end. And he'll include that as the end music. Yeah. And sound.
0: And sound. Bird call. And bird call. Yeah. I, I have a couple recordings of those guys. Because they're, they're so, like, gregarious. They're just out there calling constantly. So it's a fairly easy bird to just, like, record. Yeah. It, you, in my phone, I've, I've recorded a couple times with just my phone. I've recorded a couple times with the microphone and phone. So they're, they're out there. They're loud.
1: So then we turn around when we got to the end of the ridge and saw the elk and started back down to the car
0: yeah and
1: along the way uh susan was nice enough to be on our podcast so we are going to uh listen to our short interview with her right now go ahead (laughs) so uh we're out here on a hike with susan and susan we're so happy that you uh agreed to be on the show with us as well as hike out to this beautiful
0: location with us glad you invited us yeah <laughs> <It's been laughs>
1: an an honor. Honor. <laughs> um so you want to tell us about yourself um how long you've been into birding maybe what you do for work that sort of thing
2: well uh so i've been birding all my life uh with my parents uh they've they're lifelong birders um and I hang out with them a lot, so I was birding, but I never wanted to, like, name the birds or figure out that I was looking at the same one as I saw last week or anything until about eight years ago, nine years ago or so, and and then I saw a song Sparrow on my back porch, and I looked in the book, and I named it, and I went, oh my gosh, that was so much fun! <laughs> so then, uh, you yeah, know, some people call it an obsession, and some people call it a passion, I uh, waver between the two somewhere, and uh, yeah, it's just great. I, I love getting out, like this walk we took this morning, oh, it's just been a joy.
0: Got some fantastic views of up on the top of the ridges out here. So we're, we're just north of, halfway between Cannon Beach and Seaside.
1: On the north coast of Oregon.
0: On the north coast of Oregon, uh, on a north coast land conservancy land
1: this, like, property. This, adjacent to a logging operation?
0: And we hiked way up onto a ridge and got some really awesome views. Heard tons of birds up there. So you lead the, or I don't know if lead is the
2: no, the right word. never but, the right word. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: you uh, you Organize. go on. You go on the every uh, the first Sunday of every um, month on Cannon Beach, the bird walk. Yeah. How did that get started?
2: Well. Um... Uh, do you know? <laughs> ECAP, yeah. You know, one of the one of the friends groups down there uh, encourages people to get outside, and they contacted me and said, hey, would you like to lead? I used to write a, a column for the Cannon Beach Gazette, a bird column. Okay. And uh, they contacted me and said, hey, would you like to um, uh, lead a group? And I said, sure. And we had such a good time that several of us decided to do it more often than hmm. once a year so we're, we do it the first sunday of every month at nine o'clock at santa beach and it's just been i don't know we've been doing it five or six years now it's been, oh, been man. really fun really fun so you said you
1: wrote that column in the santa beach do you still do that? i do not okay uh, and um <laughs> but i then ran you out were... of stories no. <laughs>
2: well, you know, there's only so many bird my stories my focus for it was to um, encourage bird, people to get out and um, if they start enjoying birds or nature they're going to help start um, preserving it and caring about it and so that was my focus of my um, bird column uh, and uh, I called it bird notes yeah I know it's kind of cliche <laughs> now but um, and I told stories about birding with my parents and all the funny things that happen and stuff like that and it just uh yeah it was just fun it was it, it wasn't technical at all i didn't go that way at all i just went with the storytelling of, of uh, a birding adventure so did yeah. you ever get feedback back from like the community oh my gosh impacted them? oh there's a gal down in arch cape marnie who wrote me a letter and she called me and she would call me at the at the station and we'd talk, And then <laughs> a few years ago we met and she's just oh she's she's my biggest fan besides my mom <laughs> so yeah i think i have three people that um read my column and uh one of them was john mercero who is the uh, president of the north Coast Line Conservancy. Oh. Okay. yeah so huh. so i'd often thank people for reading like thanks mom and marnie and and john for reading this column this week <laughs>
0: then they can point out my name's in there look look <laughs>
2: so then you also work for the radio station i do i work for coast community radio which is kmun and um ktcb and kcpb we have three stations and kmun being the the, the flagship and, okay. and i'm your... the development director which means i do the um the pr and marketing and i'm the salesperson. and I kind of oversee membership and stuff like that. So we're a small staff, so we kind of do everything. It's been hard to have a job description that you know, like this is what you do.
1: (laughs) So um, what what's the I guess focus of the radio station? Is it obviously it's not like country music? No,
2: no. We um, we're a community radio station, which means we're a public radio station. We um, buy NPR products and do things like Fresh Air and All Things Considered and um, those uh, kind of big stor- uh, news stories that they, they produce. Mm-hmm. And then um, if you want to be on the station in this community, you fill out an application and you tell us what kind of music or what kind of show you want to do. We also do public affairs.
0: And okay. then it
2: goes through a committee, and if they say yes, then we train you to be on the radio, and huh. you get to have your own radio program. So, <laughs> so we're a big um, eclectic mix of music, and then we have public affairs like uh, Talk of Our Town, which talks about all the, the cool things that are happening um, for people and to people. You know, like if they get awards and stuff like that. And then huh. we have a couple of news uh, shows. We have Food Talk, where uh, the giggle girls, I call them, get on and talk about what they're cooking, and they're the fab, fabulous cooks from the food web up in Astoria. And it's just, yeah, it's just a big um, eclectic mix of wonderful things. Our mission is to um, inform and uh, educate. So that's our, you know, everything's got to work in that framework. It either informs our listeners or it educates our listeners. Oh, and entertain.
0: And, and. Yeah. well, that's. I guess that's one of the key pillars. Anything. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, you don't get um, listenership. Yeah.
2: Well, we have, you know, we have uh, a lot lot of classical music. We have um, some jazz. We have some big band. We have blues, several blues. We have dead. We have the dead hour on Friday night, you know, and uh, (laughs) Caribbean and world music and um, '60s and yeah, it's it's uh, you could hear any kind of music on our station really (laughs) and people are um we even have bedtime stories where people come in for half an hour at eight o'clock at night and read bedtime stories to kids and a lot we hear back from a lot of people that that's how they you know they make sure their kids get their jammies on before things start really they used to always play um uh see your song, Where's My Pajamas? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's, it's a really interesting and wonderful group of people to work with. I feel really honored to be there. And um, You know, there's five staff and 130 volunteers who wow. are the programmers and come in and bring their stuff to our listeners. It's, it's huh. just amazing.
1: And how is your, obviously, with the, the column and the... Um, you do produce or have some NPR shows on there that are science-based, but how has your, your personal you know, love of nature and excitement for being outside, how has that affected or influenced your position?
2: Well, um, I'm definitely known as the bird person. <laughs> and um, we have a little, um, a little program at 11 o'clock every day that's called Bird Notes, and it's produced by some people up in Seattle. Okay. And um, I am sure to have uh, a sponsor for that. And it's um, right now it's the Willipah Hills Audubon Society. Oh, wow. So <laughs> um, that's the one time you'll hear my voice on the radio is uh, <laughs> that I, I voiced that message. <laughs> so were
1: you, you must have been integral to get them to sponsor that, that then. Yep. Yeah, um,
2: so uh, the other thing I do is... It's maybe more just environmental is I try to keep um, the station thinking towards environmental um, policies and, you know, uh, it's, it's hard not to use a lot of electricity when you're a, a radio station, but, yeah. you know, to be more efficient with things and to, um, we've just recently uh, d- switched to uh, being more paperless and more online with everything and um that's a great that's a great thing
0: um, a good good step in the right direction yeah. i can imagine there's a ton of paperwork
2: there's a little bit of paperwork but <laughs> you know, i have not found it hard to be everything online hmm. but um yeah uh one time we had a staff meeting and mike patterson called me and said there's a black-headed gull in young's river and, you
0: know, that's Just not super Aust- far away from station The station's yeah.
2: in Astoria, so it's a four-minute drive to where <laughs> he is. And staff meeting's about to start, and I said to my boss, I said, "Joanne, there's a bird," and she goes, "Why are you still here? <laughs> and I got to run out and go see the bird." <laughs> that's awesome. Did you end up seeing the I seeing did. the goal? It oh, was, good. Yeah, it was great. It was a very rainy day, but it was very wonderful. <laughs> So do you have any advice
1: for anyone who's looking to go into like science communications or just communications in general? Like what sorts of things they should do to, you know, pursue a career
2: like that? Well, it's amazing that there are still um, um, classes and courses that you can take to prepare you for um, what I call the blinky-like part of radio. Uh, <laughs> Um, because everyone says radio is a, you know, kind of a old-fashioned kind of communication, but um, we have found that it's it's the only communication that uh, continues to be effective during emergencies when the power's out and then the the wires are down and all that stuff. So, um, you know, I, I fell into my development role from a newspaper. I've been working for newspapers for quite a long time, but I always knew I wanted to work for a nonprofit. So I got involved in nonprofits, so I could learn what the bones of it, you know. So that's how I ended up um, being qualified for my job at the station, for one, and. Um, going at it like that. Okay, I'm, sure, I'm sorry. I'm distracted <laughs> by the
0: birds. <laughs> I know. The, bird, the birds are very distracting out here. You got a Pacific Wren just calling and calling and calling. And it's actually standing on that branch right there. I can't imagine the microphone's not picking that, that up. <laughs>
1: cool. Huh. So, um... I guess anything else, uh, you'd like to say about your life with birds and, and
2: well, you know, my life with birds also, uh, gets me in uh, contact with people who also bird and it's just been a pleasure to meet you guys and have you here. (laughs) Oh, thank you. And, um, I just love that you're young and you're energetic and that you're learning stuff. And, uh, I get to take along and and learn it with you, so that's really fun for me. Well, thank you.
0: It's really nice being back in Oregon, where there's wildlife that we kind of remember, and then a lot of new wildlife that we never observed before.
2: Yeah. So, so thank you so much for yeah, being on Yeah, thanks for our talking show. with us. <laughs> yeah, thank you.
0: So thank you, Susan, for being on the podcast, for lis- listening to our uh, questions and answering us. <laughs> and I just uh, I don't I don't know if I need need to apologize or I don't. I don't know. Um, so the we're just
1: constantly sorry.
0: Constantly sorry. So that's that's our first time doing a field interview while we're walking. So the gravel was loud. Um, I'd like some input on that if you guys uh, would like to send us some uh, emails or we, tweets or yeah, so we, Instagrams. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what people send people nowadays. Um,
1: but we go. We we've listened to the Field Guides podcast a number of times, and they have a lot of. Um, interviews where they're out hiking and so we thought we'd give it a try so give it
0: a try somebody somebody in the past had told us that they'd like to hear something like that so Mm -hmm. so we gave it a shot um i don't think we have the right microphones to do it really but
1: send us money we'll buy better mics yeah
0: we'll buy better mics but um (laughs) but right now i I, all i have is my microphone for uh, recording wildlife which is just a single shotgun microphone that we just held in between the three of us so that there there it is yeah that's that's the interview with susan she was very, very nice to tell us all about what she what she does with the radio station and yeah, how she and stays I, involved in birding.
1: And I think it's really cool that she does incorporate her love of nature and birding and things like that in her job with communications, because that I mean, if you can't find the right thing, then you know that that's hard to do to find like necessarily the right audience or at least the right position where you can combine those things. Yeah. in science communication is something that's. Just so important, you know, sharing what is happening with the general public that might not be interested um, so much in like the nitty gritty of birding, but like it's bigger ramifications. Yeah. Not ramifications. I don't, I don't it's know. Bigger where implications. You're going... Oh, okay. Yeah, of like, you know, birds and climate change and like how all that's happening. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, after our whole mountain quail journey, we came up.
0: We came upon no mountain quails. No,
1: we have decided there are no mountain quails. There's on no that ridge. mountain
0: quails in that ridge. We there's none.
1: <laughs> we the whole thing. We did it all. Not
0: they're, they're not there. No. So don't even go look. <laughs> because if you find it and we didn't see it, then then we'll be upset. Yeah. So And so, we can't have that. Can't have that.
1: <laughs> so, Eric found on Facebook something recently called the universal laws of birding and that was put out by or that's on the Queens County Bird Club face website. I
0: thought it was hilarious. It's
1: hilarious. It was
0: so true and hilarious.
1: <laughs> but it's it's made by a bunch of birders in Queens County which we will post the you know the, that in the show notes. But I think we
0: posted on shared it on Facebook, didn't we? No, I don't no, think so. No, we didn't. Oh, okay. It's hilarious, though. But
1: anyways, we're calling them the birding <laughs> tenants. And they're things like the um, Patagonia rest stop effect, yeah, which I think a lot of birds have
0: probably they're heard fam- about. Most people are familiar with that, I think.
1: But we decided that there was one tenant that applied to this particular adventure. So, Eric, kick us off.
0: So, um, th- I thought there, there was a bunch of them that kind of tertially applied like to the side but um the one that was closest for today was the meteorological paradox which is whenever the weather is unseasonably nice the birds you are seeking are also enjoying the weather elsewhere
1: it was a beautiful (laughs) hike a beautiful day and the mountain quail were just enjoying it somewhere else
0: they were were enjoying it somewhere else yeah
1: but i also am proposing uh, an additional tenant, which if I think about it, I'm going to email the, the Queens County yeah. because they're going to be like, who are you and why do you want to add this? <laughs> be like, because it's appropriate. Yeah, it's but anyways, appropriate. this also applies to what our adventure is. Um, the inverse auditory paradox, which is that the higher likelihood a species is to be identified or found by sound rather than sight The more likely that every other bird will not stop singing louder than normal, making it impossible to hear the target bird if it had been singing.
0: Yeah, so Pacific Rens, louder than all get out, Swainson's Thrush, Pacific Pacific Slope flycatchers were super loud. Oh my gosh, it was just like
1: non-stop with all these other birds, and it's just like... And we
0: got to the top of the ridge, and the Spotted towhees were super loud. It's
1: like, shut up, I'm listening for the quail.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They're all fantastic birds to listen to.
1: yeah. Like Swainson's a much, could, on a different day, I could listen to them all day long, but like I was listening for Quail, so you had your chance, Swainson's. <laughs> <laughs> so, last little note um, Heidi Trudel, Trudel, <laughs> she is uh, someone that talks about dead birds and how window strikes are you know, leading cause of a lot of birds' death,
0: yeah, and lots, lots of uh. Bird death thing. So things things that cause bird deaths. Um, cats, window strikes, car strikes. Like all <laughs> other. Things. She, she, she she has a other things that kill birds. Um, rat poison. Yeah. That's that's a that's a big one. When you poison your rats, and then your then owls swoop down and eat the rats that are poisoned, and now the owls poisoned. Like. That's a that's a pretty common occurrence in owl deaths.
1: So anyways, but
0: she, she has a um, Dead Birds for Science Facebook page, and I follow that, and I've been following it for for quite a while now.
1: And she'll be giving a talk at the Seattle Audubon
0: yeah.
1: on July 18th at 7 p.m. at Finney Center Community Hall, um,
0: and, up in Seattle, Washington. Yeah, up
1: in Seattle. And we have decided to do like a hangout. Um, the day before, on July 17th at 6 p.m., we don't have an actual location picked out for where we, we're going to hang out. Um, but so It'll you, be
0: in the neighborhood of that community hall, though, right? Yeah, probably. Because there's like uh, restaurants and bars and stuff like that around nearby. Yeah, and nearby. It's, it's
1: like North Seattle.
0: Yeah.
1: But if you are in the area, um, stop by and check it out. We, we posted the event on our Facebook page, so, you know... Say if you're gonna be there, so we don't ask for like a room for twenty and there's only four of us, because that would be embarrassing. Or or
0: ask for like, hey, we we have need a table for two because nobody said anything, (laughs) and then then like have ninety people just randomly show up.
1: Gosh, wouldn't that be a great problem though?
0: uh, I don't
1: know. I'd be like, wow, well, they like us. A
0: Problems, a problem. <laughs> yes. Good problems, bad problems. They're all problems. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just help us know what to expect. Um, so, anyways, we're gonna be doing this uh, meetup, hangout thing, and it's just a chance to like get to know other birders. Network. You know, yeah, we'll network and hang out, and like, I don't care. If, I don't know if you care about meeting us or not, but we'll be chilling. Yeah. And we'd like to meet you. Um, We'll have some stickers and business cards.
0: (laughs) Because everyone loves business cards. Who doesn't
1: love a good business card. And especially the ones I made are great.
0: They are pretty awesome.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Um, So, yeah. If you can hang out with us, go on our Facebook page and say you'll come to the event. And uh, hopefully we'll see you there. But if you don't live in Seattle, I totally get why you're not coming. And that's okay. But I know there's at least eight listeners in Seattle. So, I expect (laughs) ten people (laughs) Ten people, two two of us, and two then and
0: then eight eight, eight more. Okay, yeah, I see. Well, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast, episode one of season two. Woo! Um, we hope you enjoyed it and/or learned something. We want you to rate, review, and subscribe us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Music, and anywhere else you listen to us. You can ask for us on the Alexa and all the smart speakers too.
1: We've heard it works.
0: It works. Uh, if you'd like to connect with us, you can follow us at Hannah Goes Birding and Eric Goes Birding on Instagram. Hannah with an H, Eric with a K. And you can also follow us on our Facebook page at Hannah and Eric Gobirding or email us at Hannah and Eric Gobirding at gmail.com.
1: You can also check out our Twitter, We Go Birding, and yeah. check out our website www.gobirdingpodcast.com.
0: Yeah, it's brand new. Fresh yeah. off the presses. Be the first.